Hello, hello. This is Interneted. I'm Michael Bird. And I'm Rob Murgatroyd. And welcome to our show about tech, gadgets and the internet by a couple of blokes who are always being asked how to fix most of it. Isn't that right, Rob? That is right. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for our second episode of Interneted. On this show, we'll be sharing our tech knowledge and keeping you informed with all the latest tech news and updates from around the internet. We'll also be opening a brand new case at the Agony Uncles Detective Agency, solving your tech woes. And finally, we'll be heading over to the Museum of Retro Tech, wherever that is this week, where we'll be taking a look at some of our biggest moments in gadget history. So buckle up, sit back, relax and enjoy the show from two blokes in our actual spare bedrooms. This is Interneted. Okay then, well... It's time to start the show and it's time for our weekly tech roundup. Each week we'll both be bringing the most interesting bits of news from around the world of tech, sifting through the Wi-Fi water filters, <laughs> talking umbrellas and toilet roll robots. And before you ask Michael, they are again all real what things. Is a, what's a talking umbrella? What does it do? Talking umbrella will tell you the weather before you go out. Pick it up, ask the, <laughs> ask the umbrella what's the weather like today and it will speak it back to you. It'll tell you, put me down if it's not raining. So it wants to kind of work its way out of a job, basically. It's a lazy umbrella. Unless it's lying to you and it says, "Mm, might be a chance of rain, always a chance of rain. You might want to take it. (laughs) Uh, So what's what's in the news today then? Not today. What's in the news this week? (laughs) So uh, this week, one of the big headlines from this week was that Jeff Bezos stepped down as Amazon CEO, which is quite a big one. Quite massive for the world of tech, I think. so, yeah, he's been CEO since 1994. Wow. So he's done a long old stint and taken it from a little company to, well, where it is today. Let's be honest. It's, is it the biggest company in the world? It, ha- it's, it has to be one of the biggest. I don't think one it's the biggest, but they are massive, aren't they? And it started off as him, like, just trying to sell some books. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a bit of a game changer, I'd like to think, in the yeah. world of technology. He's pretty influential in the way that he does things at uh, Amazon. But saying that, he's not moving too far away because he's going to become chief uh, chief executive. No, not chief executive. He's going to become non-executive chairman, is that Chair- right? Yeah, something like that, like a chairman type role. Like he won't be so he's it basically going to be there, but he's not going to be quite as in charge as he was before because he wants to pursue other passions. I guess it takes up a lot of your time being CEO, so... And one of his passions yeah, is he's got a rocket company, hasn't he? I think it's called like Blue Origin, which yeah. segues very nicely onto the next news item, which is uh, so SpaceX, which is the rocket company owned by Elon Musk. Um, they launched a, a rocket this week or last week called the Starship SN9, and it was a test. And um, the Starship is like their next iteration of rockets. Um, and uh like very different it looks a little bit more like um like a like the space shuttle type you know style of rocket it's like quite wide quite yeah. big you know like very like just big very traditional rocket traditional shape. rocket looking and mm-hmm. um so they did the test it was the sn9 and it flew up and it tried to land vertically like like the other spacex rockets that I'm, you might have seen on the internet you know how they kind of land vertically and mm. absolutely blows your mind because you so sci-fi it's, it's the coolest awesome. thing it's like the thunderbirds oh my goodness like 
I just it's so cool. Uh, anyway, it crashed, um, but yeah. apparently it was expected, or at least it wasn't unexpected. And right. <clears throat> yeah, it um, made a very big fireball. Um, but they're going to be they're basically trying to test this system where they can land them vertically because it's all part of Elon Musk's big plan for these rockets. It's going to be like the next generation. And I think his big plan is to try and like create like a habitat on Mars, amongst yep. other things. But right, get this right. So one of the cool things he wants to do, and I'm not kidding here, he wants to do Earth to Earth transport long. So like re- re- take away long haul Earth transports. You know, like usually you'd go to the airport and you'd fly 24 hours to get to sure. Australia. Yeah, yeah. So he says that they can. He can do that in two hours. Uh, no, sorry, under one hour. Sorry, using uh, to anywhere rockets, in the world. To anywhere in the world, and it would travel at I kid you not, Mach 20, which is 15,000 miles per hour. If this thing happens, so if these rockets eventually become a real thing, you can fly from one point on Earth to another point on Earth at 15,000 miles per hour in under an hour. That is mental, but also slightly terrifying. I can't <laughs> really imagine just sitting at home and then looking out the window. Oh, there's a there's a rocket going yeah. past. I don't know if it's like a, a nuclear bomb or if it's an Elon Musk spaceship, you know. <laughs> that's that, Yeah, that's well, that's exactly it. Um, so, yeah, but that's what they've been testing this week. A big rocket. So What's Elon Musk takes one step closer to becoming basically Iron Man with his fleets of rockets and everything going around the world. Yeah. Was, was Iron Man based on him? I think it must have been. I think they're the same person, to be honest. Or with like, me. or Tony Stark, sorry, like Tony Stark, it's Tony or, Stark, yeah. Or at least like um, Robert Downey Jr.'s iteration of Tony Stark was. Maybe, I think yeah. I think Elon Musk, yeah, is basically the foundation. Or he, or he styled himself with Iron Man because I think Iron Man came first. But yeah, That's, either way, he's a very cool dude. Very cool dude. Um, okay, sorry. What's next? So yes, yeah, so the next up we had uh, Apple coming up with a, a not necessarily a technical launch, but there's been some leaks online about Apple's new VR headset, and Ooh. it's. Um, it's an interesting one because it's an 8K headset. So first of all, that's a, an incredibly high resolution sort of screen for a virtual reality uh, consumer piece of virtual reality. But usually yeah. they're much lower resolution because the technology behind them struggles to, to power them. So this is going to be real, real realistic, I guess you'd like to say. Um, nice and crispy with the visuals. And its purpose, so Apple has said that they ultimately want to create something that's almost as seamless as wearing a normal pair of glasses, but yeah. that can also be virtual reality. So you switch it on and... Um, you know, you, you've got virtual reality, but then sometimes it won't be virtual reality because it's also got a whole load of cameras around the outside which uh, can monitor what's happening around you. And it's got LiDAR sensors to scan your room for things like augmented reality. So what's the possibilities of what it's all about is, is crazy. What's what's LiDAR? LiDAR is, um, it uses lasers to scan a room. So it'll, it'll ping out a laser and the laser will bounce back to it. Um, so it can it'll map, map a room. That's really cool. It's, uh, it's uh, technology that's already on the current iPhones, but yeah, something in virtual reality would be really cool because it would you'd be able to see your room whilst you're wearing the virtual reality goggles, so you wouldn't bump into things, which is probably a safety thing as well. So uh, these are just rumors; they haven't been released yet. But any sense of how much they're gonna, how many thousands of pounds they're gonna cost? <laughs> so most consumer virtual reality at the moment is probably around a thousand thousand for like a full setup so times uh, it by like apple, five or something apple being apple it's they're starting at around three thousand most likely but I, I like to call it an appleization of of a certain type, type of technology so yeah. if apple does something it becomes the industry standard and everyone else can do the same thing so if apple sets the price at three thousand everyone else will follow along soon enough but here's the problem right so apple released a pair of over the year headphones 
Um, oh yes, and the you and I, snacks. you and I have both got a pair of Bluetooth noise cancelling over ear headphones, and we both argued yep. about which were the best ones. And Obviously, I won. Yeah, yeah, we both think those are the best ones. Um, but from what I read, the ones that Apple released absolutely blew both of our pairs of headphones out of the water in terms of like the functionality and how well they work. I watched, I read a couple of reviews. So I've got a mm-hmm. Bose QC thirty. Five twos, and you've got the Sony Sony WH one thousand MX fours. Yeah, well, from what I read, the Apple ones make our headphones look like toys, like in terms of the build quality. Um, I mean, they they do, but at the same time, their their ca- their case isn't great. They don't fold down very well. They're not massive. I know that's like a handhold, isn't it? It looks like a uh, like people a have been equating it to looking like a bra online. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, it, so, you know, is that the beauty is in the eye of the beholder? But yeah, but to me, so they, did the so did the, the earpods look really. St- Silly when they, they did launched, look weird, but they? everyone loves but them. Everyone has Apple. them. Now. That's what I mean. Appleization, whatever they do, everyone's like, oh, but that's how we should be. To be fair to them, they do make really, really. I mean, they really go to town on the quality, don't they? So quality is high. Yeah. So you have to give it to them. I think, in summary, when they release this headset, it will be, it will kind of set the standard for headsets. Won't it? Uh, um, it will. It like, will. They, they do things so seamlessly yeah. and so uh, user. They keep the user in mind. That's so it. easily. Um, and make sure that things actually work and that you get out of it what you think you should get out of it so yeah it's exciting it's exciting because like because i think with a lot of technology like this like early adopters often get like the, the bum deal don't they you know like the, the early adopters for vr headsets, oh yes yeah. yeah. you know they're rubbish software support and usually you know very buggy and a bit crashy but when apple yeah. releases something you know you can if it's brand new you can buy it and it'll be as you said a really seamless experience like very rarely is it rubbish experience it's also really uh, interesting from like an industry standard because once Apple do something, everyone yeah. sees that and the consumers see that as well. So there's a much higher demand yeah. for it. So the things that you can do with VR headsets will improve because more people will be using it and therefore more people will be developing games, apps, all sorts of things for it. So it's as like a, I say, it's, it's cool. Like it'll make it mainstream, basically. That's, yeah. So that's why this is a really important piece of news. So when it does get announced, when do you, when do you think it's going to be announced? Sorry. I reckon maybe twenty. 23 is still still a way away yet i reckon uh they've got to do some polishing on it and get the prices right and all that sort of stuff but yeah it'll come it'll come and it'll be cool and a quick note on the apple rumored or the rumored apple car yeah so i think apple did a little deal what well, i say little it was one a couple of billion wasn't it with kia so yeah. they, they've invested yeah, yeah, yeah. in kia uh to try and work with them to cement the future of a new apple car so oh, I'm, glad you finished that. I'm glad you finished that sentence to cement the future. I wasn't sure what that meant. I don't know, like built in buildings or something. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> a terrible joke. Carry on. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, so, I, yeah, I guess they're, they're seeing the success of people like Tesla with their uh, electric cars and all the cool technology they've got in there. And they want to get involved with it. You know, Elon Musk has had yeah. too much money coming from his, these cars. So, yeah, Apple wants to get involved and again, probably bump up the price. Yeah. OK. Um, what's next on the list? Uh, so something from the world of gaming, um, Google Stadia has announced that they will be shutting down its first party uh, game studio development. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, Google Stadia is another game streaming service. So like we mentioned last week with uh, NVIDIA's platform, it's a bit like Netflix, but for games. So you've got a whole library of games that you can just select and stream uh, live and it will use computers that google have got all these super computers that are super high spec and so everything will run really well depending on your internet connection but anyway they initially when they launched it they said that they'd have invested in these uh, first party development studios which will build games specifically for stadia but 
Google being Google, they like to drop things fairly quickly, and they've said yeah. actually we're going to cut that, kind of cut that side of our uh, game streaming service. So it's not necessarily the end of Stadia at the moment, but that's that's not a good sign within the first year of it being launched. You know, it didn't have the most successful launch. It wasn't mega polished. They were missing sort of a few killer li- um a few killer games from their lineup when they launched, and also it was a bit buggy and it didn't always work. So it's got off to a rocky start, but um. Yeah, so game streaming, I think, will be the future of gaming. But whether it's Stadia or whether it's things like Xbox Game Pass or um, yeah, things from Nvidia, I'm I'm not sure. But it's not going away anywhere. But yeah, Google specific games being developed. So Gmail Emulator 2021 might not come to you soon. <laughs> Gmail, <laughs> I like that. That'd be a cool game. Uh, <clears throat> what's the best tool? What's the best? Um, not tool, but like, what's the best alternative? Do you think? If I was starting out and I wanted to kind of get into game, you know, playing games, didn't have the hardware, I wanted to just like yeah. get a game streaming just stream games thing. What's the I, best one that has the best titles, most compatible, that kind of stuff? I personally think that the best deal in gaming right now is the uh, Xbox Game Pass and the X, yeah, the X, X game streaming service. It's incredible value because almost all of their new titles that will be coming up over the next couple of years will launch at the same time on the streaming service as it will on like physical discs so you could buy a game for 60 quid but that will also come out for free or as part of your subscription yeah. to the game pass which is just incredible it's it's great value and it's a huge number of titles on there but microsoft know what they're doing they've been doing this for years haven't they because they've had oh yeah you know, they launched oh yeah the for sure and they've, they've got ago. the infrastructure for it as well and it's also not tied to just an xbox you can do it on pc as well so it's yeah so it's a great platform okay um all right next on the list is something that you and i both big fans of the sonos ecosystem so if you don't know sonos is um like a uh, what was it, a speaker ecosystem is that maybe the best way to describe it so if you, you yeah. know like apple have like you know iphones and ipads and whatever sonos is like um high quality audio although some audio files don't like them but you know high quality audio uh, speakers that um are kind of wi-fi connected you can have sound bars for tvs you can have surround sound you can have little speakers big speakers outdoor ones indoor ones i think one of their big selling points is you can do multi-room oh yeah and that's it so you can set it up in your whole house you get speakers everywhere going and they'll all play the Um, same music and they're really really cool um and they're quite expensive um but the sound quality and the in my in my experience the sound quality and the volume you get from such a small speaker is really impressive Mm. Uh, they're a bit like the apple of speakers i like to call them because they are you know really end user focused they like to make things really easy they've got a really good app and they like to make sure their their products are really good quality as well so that yeah they're a bit apple like and they and they last they kind of not last but like um well they do last for ages and they really hold their value but they also um they support them for quite a while i know there's like a bit of backlash Mm. recently they stopped supporting some older devices but generally like I think I've got a 10-year-old speaker and it's still supported by the most current. They'll still get updates. Yeah, they, they are really good with so, that. Yeah. So that company, now we've defined them, that company are rumoured to be releasing a new speaker, which it sounds like it's not big news, but Sonos don't release stuff all that often. They kind of release maybe one thing every few years. So they are rumoured via an FCC filing. So I think that must be the Federal Communications commission or something um <laughs> any like any time a device gets released i think they have to file it with them and this often makes its way onto the internet so they have yep. they have made a filing for a new speaker and it's supposed to be a smaller version of a product called the sonos move the sonos move is basically like a 
a speaker that has a handle and you can carry it around the house so mm. it's not tied to a you know it's not pl- plugged in it's like it runs off a battery really good for having it outside so smaller potentially cheaper version of the sonos move um, i think i think that's a good move from uh, Oh, good move oh, from the Sonos's part there. The the original move was it was quite expensive, wasn't it? It was four hundred, five hundred, yeah, something like that. Pounds, yeah. I think. Yeah, and it was massive. So you know, most Bluetooth speakers that people get, they're you know, fairly small, maybe pocket sized or backpack sized. You might yeah. say. Um, whereas the original move was was big. It was chunky. You'd only keep it in your house. You wouldn't take it around. No, with you anywhere, and really so. heavy, like really, really heavy as well. Yeah, but good good sound quality as you'd really expect. Good sound but yeah, quality. it wasn't the most practical thing in the world. Um, so yeah, I think this is an interesting move from them. Yeah. Oh, and again, can't help himself. Uh, okay, so that's that one. The next thing. Now, I guess does this count as a gadget? I think I think it counts as a gadget. I, I'll allow it. It's cool. Okay, so um, Nike, who make shoes, they have released or announced their hands-free shoes. So shoes that you can put on, put on and take off without using your hands. Uh, maybe you can't, work? maybe you can't what? take them off. Oh no, I think you probably can take them off without using hands. Okay, so how does it work? Um, so if you imagine a normal pair of shoes, where mm-hmm. a, like, a, but then what they've done is they've kind of cut cut them in not quite in half. Like let's say at the two thirds mark towards the back, they've kind of cut it uh, where the heel is, and then they put like a little hinge in it, and then put an elastic band around it, and it kind of pivots at the hinge. So the toe goes down and the heel goes down and there's like this kind of elastic band that kind of keeps the tension and then you kind of slide your foot in and whack your whack your heel down and it kind of pops in together. A little bit like um, if any of you have ever been skiing, how you like <laughs> clip yourself into some skis. I think uh, if it looks a little bit like that. And so these are called the Nike Go Fly Ease and they use an elastic band, as I said, and they fold in the middle. And they're going to be released in limited quantities for $120. Um, wow. But they look pretty what? cool. Why Why do you think they've done that? What's the point in a shoe that you don't need hands for? I mean, personally, I don't mind doing like, so, doing up my shoes with my hands. Yeah, okay. So they 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 have this, um, they have a Fly-Ease line, which are made originally for um, like athletes who need more accessible footwear. So um, uh, maybe people who aren't able to use both hands all the time because okay. either don't have them or whatever it is. So yeah, I think it originally came from that. And then as they started developing them, uh, I from what I read, they were saying that some people were like, oh, actually, these would be quite cool to kind of release a bit more mainstream. Mm. Some people might want to use, you know, like um, if you're like you got your hands full and you're wanting to quickly go outside to put something in the bins or something like, I mean, realize it saves you like three minutes or something, but <laughs> like people might f- be interested in that. So anyway, they look really so these are cool. like the, the slippers of the future, the slippers of the future. Exactly. I should work in marketing, shouldn't I? You should work in marketing. Yeah. Um, you should, and then you could teach me. Uh, okay. So that's that one last thing. And then last but not least, uh, so Xiaomi, my, uh, my favorite company, apparently, as we mentioned them last week, spell with an X. Uh, they've been, not They've been up to it again. They've been innovating all over the place. Can't help um, themselves, can they? Can't help themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so they have just come out with something called the... It's a phone with a waterfall display. Waterfall edge display. What does that mean? Um, so you, you get phones nowadays which have curved displays. So they've got yeah. a bit of flat glass on the front, but it curves a little bit around the edge. This takes that concept to the extreme. So you've got a no, normal looking phone but the the screen will wrap around literally wrap around the edges of the phone and yeah. it will be you know visible it's not just like a little bit of content it's actual 
screen all the way around, which first of all is awesome technology from like the glass and like all that sort of stuff, just wrapping it all the way around the phone and having the curves on there. Yeah. Secondly, I can see them doing some interesting things with um, having the screen there. So in some of the uh, sort of product demos that they've shown, they've had like notifications, battery indications, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, most phones at the top at the screen, you've got um, like your information. So you've got the time, you've got the battery, you've got any notification icons. Yeah. They're saying that you could have the front of your phone being completely empty of all that and just having that on the side of the phone, which is quite an interesting concept. Or a bit annoying. Um, Sorry? Or a bit annoying. A bit annoying. It it could be. My my pet peeve with these screens is that you always accidentally press the screen. Yeah. Like you'll always accidentally as you're holding it, because that's how you hold a phone, right? Is you hold the edges. Like unless their technology is absolutely perfect, you'll always have an accidental touch of these side screens. You'll end yeah. up opening something, you'll end up closing something, you'll do something you didn't want to do, replying to a text message. So it looks kind of cool, but whether it will take off, I'm I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, that's exactly it, isn't it? Um, okay. Well, um, anything else? Anything else we want to talk about? I think that I think that might be everything. I think that's all the interesting things I saw this week. Everything else not interesting. <laughs> and it don't. <laughs> I don't care if you've looked read it. It's not interesting. Okay. Anything else? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that is it for our tech roundup and for the first part of our show. So we will be back with part two of Interneted after this. <laughs> Welcome back to Interneted, a show about tech gadgets and the internet. And it is now time for the part of the show where we take a brief trip. Not even a, it's not a brief trip. It's, it's a, not. We like to do it in it's detail. A, it's a detailed trip to the Agony Uncles Detective Agency. Yes, we are the Agony Uncles, and this is our detective agency. We've been solving crimes against tech since I completed Pokemon Red. (laughs) Charizard, I choose you. What What a line. I'd I'd love to see you as little little old Michael just playing Pokemon in his Game Boy back in the day. Honestly, Pokemon Red. Did you have have Pokemon Red or did you have Pokemon... I had po- my first Pokemon game was Pokemon Fire Red, which I think was the updated oh, yeah. version of it on yeah. the, the later Game Boy. So oh, yeah. you're a bit ahead of me. Yeah, po- po- showing po- your age there. Mine had all the glitches, didn't it? Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, uh, oh, this, uh, sorry, you go, you go, sir. So, <laughs> so this week we uh, open our doors once again to solve troubling tech mishaps, misdemeanors, and cold cases sent in by helpless bystanders. We set this agency up because we're both those people who always get asked how to fix stuff. Rob, it's tough work, but somebody has to do it. It's so true, and. It's actually something I did earlier today before recording this podcast. <laughs> did I was helping out a family member uh, setting up some video video calls, actually. I told them to just listen to my the last episode. The previous of the episode. Exactly. There. there you go. It does happen. Uh, so what's today's case, Michael? What have we got? Well, today's case comes from Ben in London, and it is all about backing stuff up. So here's Ben. Hi guys, I've got a question for you. I've got so many files and photos and videos 
all across multiple apps and multiple devices, and I'm starting to get worried that I'm going to lose all of these files and memories that I've kind of collected over the years. Uh, so my question to you guys is, what advice would you give someone who wants to kind of collate and make sure all of that information and memories are backed up? Any help would be wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, it's a question we get quite often, I, and it's it's something really important. A lot of people don't think about it, I find. Uh, it's I something would, they, they sort of know they should be doing, but they never actually quite get around to it. I, yeah, as I said, like I, I like you, I think I get asked it more often than I get asked anything else. And it is super important, isn't it? Um, I have oh, a yeah. I have a bit of a mantra that people really hate when I say it to them. Um, <laughs> I basically say, um, don't back up anything you'd be happy to lose. Um, Ooh, you should get that on the wall somewhere. Yeah, on a T-shirt. That's lovely. Replace the live, laugh, love posters. <laughs> no, I really like them. I leave them here. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, we 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 haven't got there's there's just so much to say with this. Uh, so probably what we're going to, how I think we'll phrase it is, um, we're going to cover it at a really high level and we can dive into some various different bits in more detail in future episodes. Um, all right. So to, to start off, I think we should probably set the scene with the three, two, one backup rule. Ooh, what is that? What does okay. that mean? So the, uh, three, two, one backup rules, it, the rule is that for the files that you don't want to lose, you'll ha the files that you're not happy to lose, you should have three copies of... And of those three copies, two of them should be stored on different devices or storage media. So, um, i.e., uh, don't have two copies on one laptop, for example. That doesn't really count. That won't do anything with it because everything fails. You have to. You have to always kind of think everything is going to fail because that's just what happens. And one of those should, uh, at least one of those should be off-site. So, three copies of every file. Two of them should be on different devices, and one, at least one, should be off-site. Um, so don't rely on an external drive that you take with you on your in your laptop bag because if you lose both, you lose everything. Kind of just got to really kind of think about keeping stuff in different places, basically. Yeah, I think yeah, absolutely. And I think so. For for me, the best backup solution is just having multiple backup solutions. Oh, you should you should replace your live laugh love <laughs> T-shirt. Are we are we interior designers as well now? Just <laughs> I think we are. Technological quotes for I people's houses. Yeah, lovely. So yeah, I think. Like you say, the, the three, two, one rule is really important, and have it make sureing, make sureing, make making sure that you're backing up uh, your files and your your memories in lots of different places. Yeah. So, a lot of people they'll have their their core laptop, they'll save all their photos on there. They'll have their phone with all their photos on there. They'll ha save everything directly to their their device, um, which is a good start. That's where you should be saving things. The next thing that a lot of people do is they'll move it to a physical a physical drive. Yeah. So if you want to do a backup, a lot of people have, say, an external hard drive, you know, maybe a, a one terabyte hard drive that you plug into your laptop, you copy and paste everything over, and that's what uses your backup, which is, you know, it's good. It's, it's definitely the next step in it. It's making sure that it's separate to your, your laptop. Absolutely. Um, yeah. In case your laptop fails, so it's there. But it's it's not the be-all and end-all, is it? There's, there's other physical solutions out there, Michael. Yeah, so the problem with a hard drive is that if that hard drive fails... Uh, and drives do fail like they they, they genuinely do fail because they are especially got, hard drives with spinning yeah, got parts spit, they're basically it's a it's a if, you, if you've never looked inside one it's basically like um a, imagine like really really thin dvds spinning at 
what was it, seven and a half thousand RPM or five thousand four hundred yeah. RPM, like really, really quickly. And then there's like a little um, playhead. Imagine like a record player moving back and forth really, really quickly, trying to read it all. Um, and uh, it's all sealed and everything, but they do, they do fail, especially if they get dropped or whatever. So. Yeah. Um, so there's another option which is called a NAS drive which stands for networked attached storage now NAS doesn't necessarily mean it has multiple drives it just means it's attached to your router but most NAS drives have some level of redundancy because you can get multiple drives and they have this thing called RAID which basically means that if it's set up correctly if you lose one of the drives then the other drive has a copy of it. So sometimes they just mirror each other. Sometimes so it's a backup within a backup. It's basically a backup within a backup. So if one drive fails, you don't lose everything and you've still got multiple copies. That's very useful. Um, and the other thing is if you're if you're going to be taking it with you, now bear in mind, this I wouldn't recommend this to be your only copy. So you should always maybe leave one at home. But if you're taking something with you, um, hard disk drives, as Rob was saying, they're quite fragile. They can be quite fragile. So... Uh, there's um, a few different things. So there's the Lacey, I can't remember what they're called, but they're these big, they're hard drives, like an orange foam case around it. Um, and they are good. They're kind of a little bit more rugged. Or if you have the money, because they do cost a bit more, SSD or solid state drives, they oh, yes. are, you know, like what you have in like, a, you know, like memory cards. They're like those, but really, really quick. And they have no moving parts and they can be about as big as hard drives. Um, yeah. And they're, they're really much, reliable. They're much more reliable than a hard drive, aren't yeah. they? Because they don't have those spinning parts. Yeah, and exactly, as an added yeah. bonus to that, they're also much quicker. So when you're transferring your oh, data yeah, across, course, yeah. they have much fa much faster speed. So SSDs, if you've got the, the budget for it, then that's definitely the way to go. And maybe have a have an SSD that you keep at home or a hard drive that you keep at home and then one that you take around with you. So you've just yeah. got those two as just as a precaution. Oh, and honestly, this topic, we just go down rabbit holes. If you're taking stuff with you, make sure it's encrypted. Remember those stories like... 10 years ago of people leaving yep. laptops on trains and it was a big deal that's because sometimes they weren't encrypted i.e if you took that hard drive that somebody left on a train and plugged it into a computer you could access all the files if you have an encrypted hard drive and if you've got a pc or a mac a lot of a lot of, a lot of the time you can just do it built into the software basically it will be gobbledygook if it's plugged into somebody's computer who hasn't got the password to decrypt it but anyway that's yep. a story for another time <laughs> okay so physical physical and then we the next thing is storing it elsewhere so um, storing it elsewhere so something that uh we both do uh is this cloud backup so something yeah. that is so is that on off-premises uh backup so obviously in the cloud it's not something that we have access to is in data servers elsewhere um and there's all sorts of software and um applications that you can do that you can get to to do this yeah um there's things called iDrive one called crash plan there's there's all sorts of things out there but essentially what it will do is it will make a copy of your hard drive or whatever devices that you you want to get signed up to it and it will take all those files and it will store it in the cloud um as data backups yeah. so it's taking your files putting them in the cloud and it Oftentimes it does it in the background for you. It will automatically sync it. And, and it's worth just quickly saying, like the cloud, it, it, it can often be misunderstood. Like a lot of people might think this is like mythical thing, but essentially what, what all, it, all it is doing is you're just storing it on somebody else's hard drive somewhere else and you're paying the money to kind of guarantee that they're not going to lose it. Um, so that's always, um, you know, that's, that's basically all it is. Now, the thing to always like this is the big thing right if you're storing your files somewhere else you need to trust that they're not going to either delete them or mm. um 
give those files to somebody else inadvertently or on purpose. Um, and depending on how sensitive your files are or how worried you are about it, you might be more or less worried about you know, what those companies can do. So really, really do your research um, because different companies do different things. Um, and again, use that word encryption. Think about yeah. you might just look on their website and see what they do around encryption and um, do lots of research. There's a website I can really recommend if you're wanting to look at cloud backup solutions and it's called Cloud Wards. Cloud Woods. Cloud, <laughs> the word cloud and then wards as in W-A-R-D-S dot net. And they have, there's a, a guy that runs it. He he reviews cloud backup tools all the time. Keeps what reviewing life. them. What a legend. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, really recommend that. Um, yeah, I, I think for that, like there are caveats to having a cloud backup system, yeah. but more often than not, it's a fairly simple way of having a backup that you don't really have to think about. It will do it for you. Yeah. Um, it, it's just always in the background running. So I, I would definitely recommend having one. But one other caveat with that is that they're often paid. You often have to pay for of course, yeah. cloud backup. Um, and you often get what you pay for with these. So if it's super cheap, then it might not be great in the long run. Yeah, and it's worth also mentioning. So if you if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, but I already have cloud backup. I have I have OneDrive. No, I have iCloud. No, no, no I have Dropbox. I already back up my files. Uh, that isn't backup. So backup, how I would define it, is if you delete the file off your computer, or if you delete the file, um, the backup keeps it. So that's like the whole thing. If if you know suddenly something gets deleted inadvertently, then you still have a copy of it. Um, OneDrive, iCloud, Dropbox out of the box. There are some caveats to it, but out of the box, if you um, delete something on your computer, it deletes it in the cloud because it's a sync. It synchronizes what you have on mm. your computer. Um, so it's not strictly a backup solution. It's not It's not quite the same, but they're, they're, they are equally useful and they're, they're great tools for what they do. But yeah, 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 not, yeah. They're not backup solutions, as you say. So, um, so uh, for cloud backup then, so just be careful to just to check the terms of service, check the security, see how easy or fast it is to restore. So if you lose all of your mm. files, fantastic there's somewhere else but if that server is you know the other side of the world and it takes i don't know three months to get all the files back because you put loads of loads up on their servers that might not be that useful so some of these services actually will send you a physical hard drive in the post if you lose everything <laughs> which is very very useful so there's there are tons of options out there and as i said we haven't got time to go through all of them no um, but, but just do your research have a look have maybe, a look maybe we could do an episode where we go through them in a bit more detail uh, right, really quickly to wrap up then, um, should we quickly share what we both do to back up our sure. files? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Mine is um, it's a fairly basic solution. So I um, I have a physical hard drive. I've got two physical hard drives, which I back up to, one that I keep with me. And if I take it out and about, I'll take another one with me. Um, I've also got a cloud backup system, um, which automatically syncs. And then finally, for any, any work that I do that I want to make sure is also backed up elsewhere, I'll use a productivity uh, online productivity tool. So the Google suite, um, any any work that I do on there, whether it's um, you know personal or professional, um, most of the time I'll try and use one of those because that will also back it up. I'm just giggling at the word when you use personal and professional. Sounds like you're a, like a part-time assassin. <laughs> <laughs> I hey. never mix business. With <laughs> uh, so I generate and create lots of files because I take loads of photos and loads of videos and stuff. Uh, so I uh, I I. Um, whenever I take photos or videos, I um, either store them on a, a NAS drive. Generally speaking, I store them on a NAS drive 
or uh, just like Rob, if it's productivity stuff, I store it on OneDrive, but I yep. make sure my OneDrive is replicated to my NAS. So my NAS is like where everything lives in. So now, sorry, ne network attack storage, big hard drive sat at home. Um, so that has all of my, all of copies of all of my files. And then that NAS drive is backed up to the cloud. So I have usually have a copy on my computer. I have a copy on my NAS drive, and then I have a copy on the cloud. So that's, those are my three three copies of things. You are super secure with yours. And then I, backed up. I do also have another little hard drive that replicates some of the really really important stuff. So I some something sometimes I have four copies, and sometimes I have five copies of things. But <laughs> that's because I sometimes we don't need to go. We don't as, to go as Michael said, this is a bit of a rabbit hole for him. He's uh, he's a bit <laughs> of a backup geek, I think. <laughs> I, I really am. It's really quite sad. Um, Okay, all right. So I think that might, I mean, our, our, in our script we have okay, case closed, but I don't feel like, I feel like. I feel we like we've given you a whole load of information there, Ben. Um, but hopefully you've taken something from that. Basically, we want you to make sure that you are doing it, first of all. The fact that you're thinking about it is a great start. You want to make sure you're doing something. And the more platforms and the more backup solutions that you have, the better. Good. Well, that is a good way to finish. So it is now time for some retro tech. and gentlemen welcome to the magnificent museum of retro tech a totally not made up museum where we preserve the greatest gadgets and tech marvels for generations to come what a place it is so far it's got one item it's got the sony walkman in it. it has got the sony walkman from last week a great display um so each week one of us will be submitting two items however we'll only be adding one piece and one piece only to the illustrious collection uh, Rob, where is the museum this week? So this week we're coming from the Radcliffe Camera in Oxford. It's somewhere what? that I've... The Radcliffe Camera, have you not seen it? What's the Radcliffe Camera? So if you if you Google Oxford, the city of Oxford, it's yeah. probably the first picture that will come up. It's a big round building, really pretty, in like a lovely square. And it's somewhere that I've never been into, but I've always been intrigued obviously now the retro tech museum is there we can all go in oh yes sorry i'm now inside the building and it's lovely there you go lovely lovely i imagine it's very echoey um all right yeah uh so uh, this week uh, well this rob do you want to explain this what's week it'll be yeah so this week it's uh, it's me being the curator uh, i've got control over michael in terms of what <laughs> i let him uh put into the the museum um so, Michael, what have you brought for me today? What is What are your items? Okay, um, so I have bought uh, two items as requested. Um, I have bought the Sony PlayStation 2 Ooh. and the Nintendo Wii. Fantastic choices. They are, oh, they're icons of gaming. I mean... I mean, the fact that we're saying the N Nintendo Wii is now retro is a little concerning because, you know... It's, it's been well within both of our lifetimes, but we are both now oldies, apparently. Okay, so should I describe the devices? Would that be helpful? Please do, yeah. Tell me, tell me about this PlayStation 2. What have we got? Okay, so the PlayStation 2, it's, um, it's a big uh, shoebox, slightly bigger than shoebox-sized um, black rectangle uh, with lots of kind of um, slots cut into it. And at the front, it has a hidden away. You can only really see it when you turn it on and press the button. A little drive tray that pops out 
and you can pop a disc on it. Uh, so that is the PlayStation 2. Uh, the Nintendo Wii uh, is... Uh, oh, and sorry, the PlayStation 2 has very iconic controllers that come with it. Those kind of... Oh, it does. The, um, the DualShock? DualShock controllers. Uh, the Nintendo Wii is a white, glossy box uh, about the size of... It's about the size of an iPad, I think. Uh, slightly mm. much thicker, maybe about the size of if you stacked maybe four iPads on top of each other and then did a really annoying like 30 degree cut in the bottom. So it's like a slight <laughs> angle, really annoying for people like me. I like to think it, it looks a bit like a really, really mini skyscraper. You it can see it in like the New York skyline. It you? looks like a really, really mini, very elongated skyscraper. Uh, <laughs> and usually it has, uh, not usually, uh, and it comes with uh, the Wii remotes, which are these kind of... Um, uh, handheld white remotes with straps. You've got to make sure you have the straps. Always um, wear the straps, everyone. Little speakers, little like uh, a D-pad and some buttons on the bottom and a little home button in the middle. So that's what they look like. Um, I'll ha- should I, do you want me to slide? I don't know what office we're in. I assume we're at the top like we were last week. You haven't really we're, well- we're at the top of the cat. Actually, actually you know, no, we've moved we're to the bottom of the basement so people can explore that that proper museum. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying your power move here because yeah, we're not even in your office you're just, you're no, not, no. just I'm just doing I, I keep, you're actually not even in the museum right now I've kept you outside we're in a reception well, area well outside now that I've seen you've got something to offer me you can come in you can come to the uh, we're actually going to go to the basement as I said my office is down there no windows uh, no windows no light there's uh, much better acoustics down here so thought oh. it would be better for the podcast perfect yeah no perfect thank you so why why the PlayStation 2 what what's so good about it okay well the PlayStation 2 was the first console I ever owned so it, oh, wow. it has a very special place in my heart. Um, it was launched in November 2000. Uh, it was discontinued in January 2013. 2013? Had, had, had a 13-year run. I kid you not. January 2013, it was discontinued. That has blown my mind. Yeah, it blew my mind. And they, and they shipped... Uh, oh, I wrote I wrote seventeen point three three million, but that's not true. Uh, I read here now they shipped one hundred fifty five million of them. As, um, yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's one of the the most, if not the most I popular games yeah. consoles. I don't in think history. it's quite, but it's definitely up there. Um, so um, the PlayStation Two is just a fantastic device, and the big thing is that it was the first device um, that a lot of people had that had a DVD player in it. Yes. Um, so DVDs were pretty, um, uh, they were pretty kind of cutting edge in the 2000s, weren't they? And uh, the early 2000s. And this was, uh, I think for many households, the first DVD player. And I think the yeah. PlayStation when it launched was maybe cheaper than some kind of consumer DVD players. Um, that's, that's something they've maintained throughout, even yeah. the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation, PlayStation 4. 3 they had, had a Blu-ray, Blu-ray players in yeah. them and they were cheaper sometimes than other dedicated Blu-rays. Yeah, there, so yeah. yeah. I, I I also had a PS3 and I also used it as a Blu-ray player. So, okay. yeah. Um, so the PlayStation 2 and it had some very, very iconic games. So oh, it, it had... What, what was the best out there? Okay. So uh, I loved going through this list. Right. So GTA, I had GTA 3. Fantastic, yep. if not incredibly violent game. Um, Grand <laughs> Little Tur- Michael was <laughs> uh, heavily influenced by that. <laughs> Gran Turismo. They had the iToy, which was like the webcam. And oh, yes. there were some fun games. Okay. Now hit the... Uh, Ratchet and Clank was a great game, but the, my two favorite games, 
Need okay. for Speed Underground. I absolutely oh. adored that game. And yeah. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Again, I absolutely adored both of those games. Did you and think you were the coolest kid when you were playing those? Like you were emulating what you wanted to be later on in life? I, I think I could still sing the title theme tune for Need for Speed Underground. I'm not going to, but <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon I could still sing it because I, I played it so much. I absolutely love that game. So that's the PlayStation wow. 2. Um, so the reason why I'd like to submit that one is because yes. it's an absolutely iconic games console that changed the game. Changed the, the, <laughs> the games console. Land- I saw your eyes roll as I said it. <laughs> it changed the games console landscape. Um, okay, um, okay. The second thing is the Nintendo Wii. Yep. Which in its own way also changed the games console landscape. Uh, so the Nintendo Wii launched in December 2006. Uh, so they, while the PlayStation 2 was out there, they were rivals at one point. They were rivals at one point. <laughs> and it was discontinued also in 2013, which Ooh. is crazy. Uh, they sold uh, 101.63 million uh, devices. They had very iconic games. and Wii Sports, Wii Fit, Mario Kart Wii, Just Dance, Super Mario Brothers. I never had a Wii, but my my in-laws do have a Wii. They still maintain the Wii. Maintain it like it's an old <laughs> ship. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> never had a Wii. I think you need to see a doctor. Yeah, had to get it in there. Um, <laughs> yes, thank yeah. you for that. Uh, so, the, but the Nintendo Wii was iconic because of the controllers. They had the Wii remotes, um, and these were the kind of the first time you could kind of, or I mean, you kind of could with some of the like the the iToy stuff they had on the PlayStation. But the controllers you held in your hand and you could move mm. around. And so, I think probably. The vast majority of people in the United Kingdom have played tennis Wii Sports. Oh, yeah. Um, which is the iconic game, you know, whacking the Wii remote to play you tennis. You just shake your remote around and the little guy goes crazy. Yeah, we shake it. And you Wii win bowling. every time. And, and it, was, it was that iconicness of actually you don't just have to sit down and use your controllers, use a controller to play games. You can actually use your body. And it made it so much more um, approachable for people who weren't maybe that much into games consoles, who kind of mm. never really got into games consoles in the same way. So the, that's why the Nintendo Wii was so iconic because it, it made its way into house, households for people who maybe wouldn't have bought a games console. Right. And people used it to get fit, which I thought was really cool. Um, the Wii, did, fit, had, Wii had that, fit didn't they? had that balance board that was like a scales and you could kind of... I remember doing ski jumping on it and it was very, it was again, really iconic games console. And there was, you know, there was that kind of that time period where you could go into most people's houses and they would have, a, they would have a Nintendo Wii on the side, wouldn't they? Oh yeah. Like, I think a lot of people still do have them. It's like a, just a bit of decoration now. They're, yeah. They're just a staple. You just, well, if you've still got, if you've still got one, it's retro tech. I'm, it is I'm sorry to say. Officially. It is officially it's retro, retro tech. tech. Unless it doesn't make it into the museum. Then it's then not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> So um, wow. that, Mr. Curator, is are my two offerings. You, you've made it a very difficult choice for me, Michael. Although I've never owned a Nintendo Wii. It's, um, like you say, it's something that brought a lot of people into gaming. It's the games that were designed for it as well. They brought a lot of families into gaming and they probably yeah. got a lot of people into gaming in general. Yeah. And also the Wii Sports theme tune. I don't know if we can play it after the show, but it is probably the most catchiest song in the world. And I've heard people do remixes, which just, yeah, it's still a great song in 2021. Um, having said that, I can't pass up the opportunity to put the PlayStation 2 in there. It was also my first official uh, games console, my first one that I could plug into the TV. I spent hours and hours as my parents will disappointingly tell you i spent a lot of time in my childhood playing my playstation 2 um 
as you say, it was it was a powerhouse. It brought games like three D model games. It yeah. brought them more life. I thought back in the day, I thought the graphics on that were incredible. You know, yeah. seeing Lara Croft with like four polygons as her head was amazing. <laughs> I thought she looked so good and. Yeah, it was it was just an absolute beast of a console. So I can't pass up the opportunity to put the PlayStation Two in there, and it also started the foundation for the rest of the uh, the PlayStation series, which is still strong today. I think that's going to have to be it for the uh, the rest of the show. Um, so welcome to the collection, PlayStation Two. So that's it from the Museum of Retro Tech. And with that, it's time for us to end the show. Thanks for joining us in today's episode of Interneted. We hope you enjoyed it. Interneted is hosted and produced and written by Michael Bird and me, Rob Murgatroyd. If you've got any suggestions or you'd like to submit your question to the Agony Uncles, you can send us a voice message on our website, anchor.fm forward slash interneted. That's anchor.fm forward slash interneted. And we are releasing episodes every week. So uh, to make sure you don't miss out on our next episode, do hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to give us a cheeky five-star rating. I probably should take that out of the script at some point, shouldn't I? Keep using the cheeky. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning into Interneted, and we hope to see you next week for the next episode of Interneted. Mm-hmm.